Green Sense Show is sponsored by CEA Technology, providing a sustainable modular indoor growing system. Visit CEATECHN.com to learn more. I'm Robert Colangelo, and this is Green Sense, where we bring you eco innovations that are changing your world. This week, Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, will discuss hybrids as an alternative strategy for the electrification of autos. Tom, welcome back to Green Sense. Thanks for having me again. Well, our last show got lots of comments when we gave a pretty in-depth review of EVs, what it takes to do a long-distance trip, and like total cost of ownership. So I really appreciate that. So let's dig into another topic, and that's, uh, you know, alternatives. So you got to talk about Toyota. Historically, Toyota has pursued a strategy that has been somewhat opposite of most auto manufacturers. They have not aggressively pursued EVs, uh, stating that currently there isn't enough supporting infrastructure, not enough charging stations, which we've covered many times, to to support widespread adoption of electric vehicles. But they have been supportive of hybrids and hydrogen fuel cell cars. So maybe Toyota's on to something. Uh, I own a Toyota Tacoma TRD off-road. Fantastic car. It's seven years old, over 100,000 miles. Uh, Nothing's ever gone wrong with it. Uh, I just do regular maintenance. And I put $100 down on my Tesla Cybertruck more than three years ago. I have no idea if it'll ever come. And now I'm considering a Toyota Tacoma hybrid. So with so many new models of autos being uh, out there and they're all so expensive and the industry is transitioning from gas to EVs, we have to ask our guru of gears, what's a buyer to do? So let's get into it, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> that was <laughs> that's a great point. And, and it's interesting about Toyota because they have in fact dragged their feet on the EV thing. Um, though they have made a bit of a, a reversal, a bit of a turnabout this past few months. Um, uh, uh, Akio, Akio Toyota has stepped down at Toyota as the CEO, and Kanji Soto has taken his place. Kanji's been with Toyota for a long time. And since that, that change in management, that Toyota is more aggressively going after EVs now. But they're talking, and we don't know a lot about what they plan to do. Uh, but this has been a very strange period in the evolution of the EV in that a lot of people are sort of pumping the brake pedal right now, including European manufacturers who think we may be going just a little bit too quickly because the public isn't ready to adopt EVs as quickly as we're going. And Toyota may be onto something, as you've noted. It, it, they've been very green for a very long time. They introduced the Prius, who was the first hybrid available in the U.S. The Prius has always gotten better. Almost every vehicle in the Toyota lineup is available as a hybrid. Uh, And several models are available hybrid only. So they've done what they can to go EV or go green without going committed EV. And and now they may look like the smart players by waiting a little bit. Well, I also have been reading and seeing mixed messages from Toyota. They uh, recently stopped manufacturing one of the most sold hybrids, the Prius. Uh, So how does that fit into uh, uh, a hybrid strategy? Well, they paused the Prius. The Prius is back. So they, I they think have, they stopped the smaller model, didn't they? Oh, or, the Prius Model C is gone. Yeah. Yes. The extremely efficient, but incredibly cramped Model C. 
Yes. The Prius C is gone. Yeah, I didn't fit in the Prius C, so no lo- no love lost there. <laughs> but so tell us, give us a little bit more of the backstory. What's going on at Toyota? There's a lot going on. And I think that the EV thing is going to kick up now. Um, one of the interesting things about uh, all the develop we, all the development we've seen recently in the U.S. is about battery plants, right? Since the IRA, the, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, all these incentives have moved manufacturers to commit to and begin building battery plants in the U.S. What's interesting about that is they may have committed to a technology that may not be around very long, and that's lithium ion. Uh, Ford, interestingly, just announced a very large battery plant deal with CATL. That's China's largest battery plant. That is not lithium ion. It's lithium iron phosphate. So good on Ford, maybe. that it, It's a less efficient um, chemistry, but it's also much less expensive. So this may work in Ford's favor. Toyota has not committed anything yet. So they, they can still what seems best now. Well, you can imagine how difficult it is for a consumer to figure out what to do. Do we buy uh-huh. hybrids? Do we buy an EV? Could you imagine a large corporation having to make billion-dollar investments when there's so much flux in the technology and there's not really a clear path forward. So have any other manufacturers followed Toyota's lead and sort of taken a pause here to watch and see who, who becomes the winning horse? Stellantis, which is the new, uh, new parent company of Fiat Chrysler in the U.S., um, has, has definitely gone slowly but talked a good game. So their EVs are coming, um, but they haven't committed nearly as much as, say, Ford or General Motors has in the U.S., do you think car manufacturers have gotten ahead of the EV infrastructure? Um, one of the interesting things about the EV charging infrastructure is that manufacturers are so disturbed and so annoyed by how bad the public charging infrastructure is, is that they're building their own networks, much like Tesla did. General Motors and Mercedes-Benz famously are now building their own networks uh, that will include dealerships, but also other public charging. And it's funny because they will serve anybody who comes to them, but, but if you sign up, for use, you will get preferential treatment if you are, say, a Cadillac owner. Interesting. Um, There are so many new cars and trucks out this year. Let's take a look at some of your favorite hybrids. I know, as I mentioned, I want to know a little bit more about the Toyota hybrid Tacoma, but I'm sure you have a list of others. So uh, why don't you get into it? Yeah, speaking of that vehicle, the drivetrain that's probably going to show up as the premium drivetrain in the Tacoma is is in the, the Sequoia. Um, and the Tundra, those are Toyota's big trucks, their big pickup and their big crossover, respectively. And those vehicles are both powered by Ford's, uh, I'm sorry, by Toyota's iForce Max, which is a V6 that is hybridized and turbocharged. A lot of power, a lot of smoothness, really great 10-speed automatic transmission. But the good news is fuel economy. I have some numbers here. The last time we, we tested a, a Tundra, back in the old days with the old V8 engine, we got 12.2 miles per gallon. Um, we recently tested a fully loaded capstone edition uh, with the new iForce Max engine, 18.7 miles per gallon. That's huge. It's a 50% jump. What about a hybrid? What are they talking about a hybrid? Well, that is the hybrid engine. Oh, so, it is? Yeah, the base engine is hybrid, and then the premium engine is hybrid turbo. That's the way they're doing it now. These sound like expensive powertrains, but those are, those are the powertrains that are available. And the Tacoma is a smaller vehicle. Will it get better gas mileage? I think we can count on at least one, maybe two MPG better because it is much lighter. Interesting. And what about, uh, is it a plug-in hybrid or does it recharge uh, while you drive? Just recharges while you drive. Yeah, no plug-in yet. 
And what's your thoughts on that, Tom? If if you were going to pick a strategy, would you have a plug-in hybrid or one that charges while you drive? Uh, I'm contrarian on plug-in hybrid. A lot of people like it, but there's two problems with it. One is that there are groups out there that now claim that plug-in hybrids aren't especially clean. This because when you're not using the gasoline engine, which may be for extended periods, periods of time, the catalyst gets cold, which means that you're not removing NOx from the exhaust because the catalyst needs to fire up and be warm. Secondly, there's an awful lot of evidence to suggest that people are not plugging in their plug-in hybrids, which means they have a hybrid that gets worse mileage than if it wasn't a plug-in hybrid. <laughs> It's, it always comes down to the details. Yeah. <laughs> Any other hybrid vehicles you like out there? What have I driven recently? Um, some very good hybrids out there, actually, and they're getting better and better. Um, well, I another just, one, I'll throw one out there that yeah. comes right to mind is the Toyota Hybrid RAV4. That is, you can't get those. <laughs> Hard to get. No, mid-size crossovers, the ones from Hyundai and Kia, too, uh, the Tucson, uh, for example, impossible to get. Well, the RAV4 gets uh, what kind of gas mileage? Uh, what is the high? Is it 41, 42? I think it's like 41 or 42 combined. To me, that starts making a lot of sense. Are you mm -hmm. seeing other manufacturers make cars with similar performance and gas mileage? No, actually, you have manufacturers like Ford and GM that are kind of, they've done developing gasoline engines. They're, they're, they're all about electric now. So gasoline engines are pretty much done, kind of like the, the, the phonograph towards the end of the LP era. You can still get them, but the technology hasn't changed in years. But they did come back. right? So I know this is difficult, but can you give a new car buyer some advice? What should they consider when deciding between an EV or a hybrid or a gas car, car or truck? If you're, trying, if you're just deciding between a regular gasoline-powered car and a hybrid, just go with the hybrid if you think you're going to want it. You're going to pay a little bit more, but the resale value is there, and you're going to have improved fuel economy. The odds that it does not benefit you financially are pretty slim. If you're thinking about a hybrid vehicle or a, an electric vehicle, I think you have to want to be in the game. I think you're going to have to want to drive an electric vehicle and be ready for some of the challenges, like finding charging stations, remembering to plug in right away when you get home so you have a full charge in the morning. It's a little bit more of a commitment, and you absolutely have to get a home charger. Well, you brought up an issue earlier, and that's about battery technology. That's an area that's changing very rapidly from these LiPo to the adding the iron now to the LiPo battery. Uh, and one issue we talked about in the last show was one way to solve a lot of these EV charge anxiety issues is have a bigger battery that gets 500 miles to the charge. Where do we stand on that? We're waiting for one more technological breakthrough, I think, for 500 miles, um, and it'll affect costs too. But we either need solid state, which is a lithium iron technology, which really compacts the size of the battery, which means you can get a bigger battery into a car. Or we're waiting for some of these breakthrough technologies that people are talking about right now. There's uh, uh, sodium ion and lithium sulfur. Those are two in the wings. There are independent companies working on those. Both of them sound good. And they seem like they're more affordable, but at, at this point, we're still waiting for the breakthrough. And what is your estimate on time when those would be commercially available? I think what we're going to see first is probably solid state technology, and we're going to see it in the next four or five years. It always seems like it's five years away, but I think this time we're getting closer. So you're pretty safe if you make a decision on a car now, like you said, an EV, uh, a hybrid non-plug-in EV is probably a pretty safe bet. Um, 
you're, you don't see technology changing too rapidly to get us to that four or 500 mile uh, charge market in a competitively priced vehicle. No, um, one of the things that's probably going to have to change is, is, is consumer expectation of range. Because if we bring on board something like um, uh, the sulfur ion battery, um, the range is probably going to drop a little, but so is the price. So it's a trade-off, but, but most Americans don't need that range. They just think they need that range. <laughs> uh, Tom, in closing, any last uh, thoughts or words or any issues you wanted to cover? Yeah, I think it's cool that people are, are paying attention to electric vehicles, but as you noted earlier, you don't have to buy one now. You're not going to be left behind, and, and the resale value of your gasoline vehicle probably not going to be badly hurt in the next four, five, or six years. Well, what about buying an EV now? Are you going to be stuck with 11 when you go to try to sell it three to five years from now? You would think so, but early EVs, the, the um, I'm sorry, the, the Mitsubishi i Kaimi, for example, and early Fiat's, things like those, they still have pretty strong resale value, even though the range is very limited. So there seems to be a market for used EVs. Okay. Well, Tom, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. And thank you for your generosity in sharing all your thoughts and information. Thanks for having me. That's Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive with our Green Automotive News Update. I'm Robert Colangelo. Thank you for listening to Green Sense and check out the Green Sense Minute every Thursday and Saturday on 105.9 FM, WBBM Chicago, and visit the GreenSenseShow.com website to learn more about sponsorship. Fantastic, Tom. That was an easy one. Green Sense Show is sponsored by CEA Technology, providing a sustainable modular indoor growing system. Visit ceatechn.com to learn more.